This episode of The Anvil was recorded over Zoom due to the current coronavirus restrictions on the Isle of Man. Please bear with us if there are any audio quality issues. We would also like to note that despite what I say later, this podcast was not recorded during Holy Week and we did not time travel from the future. Instead, I simply lost track of time being stuck inside so much. We hope you are all staying safe out there and that you enjoy this episode of The Anvil. Hello and welcome to the Anvil podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Georgia. That's Andrew. And I'm Linda. Um, you might notice Linda sounds a little different today. Uh, that's because due to the current uh, lockdown on the Isle of Man, we are meeting via Zoom. So Linda is um, telecommuting in today. <laughs> that's my superpower. And what we're going to be talking about today, we've um, thrown out what we planned a little bit. We're actually going to talk a bit about the current situation and how it can affect us, um, how it's affecting us right now, and stuff like that. Yeah, Linda, how are things at your end? Oh, things are great over here. I feel like I feel like I am the luckiest person ever to encounter the coronavirus pandemic because I'm quite an introvert and I'm in my flat on my own. I can work from here and I've got loads to be getting on with and I'm just quite enjoying the space to do things that I wouldn't normally be able to do. So, yeah, it's worked out quite well for me. But I realise not everyone's that lucky. Yeah. Um, Georgia, how are we? <laughs> well, as far as I know, we're okay. Um, we had to close the shop last week, I think it was, which was a bit of a sad decision, but definitely the right one to make in the circumstances. And actually, we're still taking orders online and doing a lot of work from home. Quick plug, we are taking orders. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, like Linda said, there's some real sort of silver linings to the situation obviously it's a really difficult situation but it's meant that we've got time to breathe and to sort of recalibrate and just take stock and hopefully come out of this stronger than before. Yeah I think for me obviously it's it is nice having the time but I've got got family in the UK and stuff and obviously it's thinking it's going to be a long time before we're back to normal and I get to see them face to face but we are really lucky to have all sorts of, of technology um, so I can keep in contact with people. I'm actually, I actually think I'm calling people more now and talking to people in some cases more than I was before because I'm valuing it more. But leading on from, from what we did in the last couple of weeks, we talked about um, mental health. So if you reviewed um, the book from Over the Edge, which was a, a fantastic read, maybe a good one for nowadays, actually. But a lot of Christians I know must be facing anxiety. A lot of people are facing anxious times right now. We don't know what's happening. We know that people are dying and people are losing people. Uh, apologies for the noise, our dog is currently thinking he is a guest star this week. It's the first time we've recorded from home, so he's um, a bit overexcited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people are feeling very anxious at the moment. I guess what I thought, thought we could talk about a bit is well, how do we deal with that anxiety as Christians when we're, we are in an uncertain situation that no one's faced before? I think one thing that's really important is not beating ourselves up when we do feel anxious. I think we can get, Ruben, do be quiet. I think we can get really caught up and we should be feeling Christ's peace in difficult times. And that's a real gift where we can feel Christ's peace, but we are human beings and we're not going to be there 100% of the time. And I think to show ourselves a bit of grace and to accept that it's natural to feel anxious in a situation and that's okay. And to just be okay with feeling that is really important. Yeah, I think at the moment I'm kind of finding I need to have a bit of a balance between being okay with being sort of alone with my thoughts and actually letting myself off the hook if I just want to 
block them out for a bit, you know, binge a show on Netflix or just whatever it takes to kind of get through the difficult bits. If you, if I do find myself kind of with so much time on my hands and with my own company, sometimes I think it's good to just give your brain a bit of a rest like that. I mean, I realize that in general, it's a good principle to um, try and have a, a sensible routine and limit the amount of content that you're binging um, and balance it with being productive and and all of that. But I think there's also definitely a message to be kind to yourself. And if you are feeling anxious, just don't just take off any extra pressure that you're putting on yourself. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the most common command in the Bible is do not fear. That's the thing God tells us the most. Um, but at the same time, these are really scary times. I mean, you know, the, the, look at the number of people who've died already and people who are very, very seriously ill. I've got family members currently in hospital on a ventilator with, with coronavirus. And yeah, I worry about them, but I think that that command isn't complete unless we have the second part that's always there. It's, do not fear, for I am with you. So it's always a promise. It's don't don't be there, not because the bad thing's not happening, but because God is always with us. So I think it is really true that that God can bring good out of bad situations. Um, I think He really, really does. I think that's a promise we can trust in. But that, that doesn't remove the reality of bad situations, and it doesn't remove the reality of suffering. And I don't think I don't think being a good Christian is about it's about being joyful, but it's not about being always happy or always okay. It's okay to be to be suffering and to be hurting in difficult times. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, we have to be a little bit intentional in um, reminding ourselves that God's got this. I know that for me, um, I've been quite lucky in the timing of this whole thing that I was actually able to go across and do some training, which I really wanted to do which probably it would have been my last chance to do it for quite a while. And also I was lucky enough to have just passed my driving test just before this happened. And so I'm really kind of counting my blessings and going, oh, well, isn't that good? Because that would have been my last chance to get that done before the summer. Um, and sometimes I think actually having to look for those things to be really thankful to God for, even when it's sometimes harder than at other times. But I think when we see the good things to kind of hold on to them and keep a record of them so that when it does get to difficult times um, and we can't really think of anything from right now we can look back on the other things and remind ourselves actually God has got this here are all of the good things that he's done for me and that can kind of carry well I know that that carries me through more stressful times yeah, no, I was preparing a session a couple of weeks ago for a youth group that Andrew and I helped out with. And I was doing it on, I think it was Psalm 42. It was. One of the Psalms. Yes, it was Psalm 42. And um, I read it out for them in the message translation. And there was a verse in it in the message version where it said, um, it was talking about when you're going through hard times and God seems far away. And it said, I rehearse all I know of you. And I think that's that's so powerful and so true at the moment that that sometimes you can't it's great to be able to find those small things to see god in in this moment but when you really can't see god in this moment at all then it's about remembering what you know of him remembering the past and the times you have seen him and holding on to that yeah you see that in the bible again and again as these right have to remember what god has done for them i mean half of the festivals are them remembering things god has done 
God has done. That's very bad grammar for me. I think as Christians, you know, we're now approaching Easter. And I think that is a, a time of ultimate remembering, a remembering that, that Jesus beat death. And if, if now is it any other time, it's a time to remember that. I remember yeah. that, that we're looking at something temporary. Reuben is making noise. We're <laughs> looking at something temporary um, when actually we've got a God who is eternal and who kind of paid for eternity for us with his blood. Yeah, that's so true. Like, without wanting to silver line it or sugarcoat everything, actually, there is something there to be really thankful for deep, deep down. Uh, even if you're not feeling totally happy, that's I think that's something that can carry us through that that hope of Easter. Yeah, and no, I think I think that's really true. And I think I mean I can be quite dismissive sometimes with kind of I suppose religios religiosity and tradition, but the point of all that tradition in the church is it's a way of being really mindful about remembering and having these very specific points in the year when we make sure we sit down and remember and actually in this sort of lead up to Easter it's it's a really great time to to just be focused on what we know of God regardless of the situation we're in and we know that he's always the same he doesn't change the situations we're in doesn't change who he is yeah definitely I think that you know all these sort of traditions that we've had to stop in some ways. Yeah, so, you know, churches, it's Holy Week. Churches would, be have, meant, would normally be having loads of services, um, particularly those of, of a more, say, Anglican or Catholic tradition, particularly, might have a lot of um, symbolism with colour and, and particular things that are meant to happen at different stages. And they're not happening, but I think it boils down to actually the key of it, which is remembering, which is that we are going to commemorate this in whatever way we can right now. We may not be able to go out to an Easter morning service, and that's one of my favourite services of the year. I'm sorry, Linda, it even beats Christmas. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. Love Christmas, but not for entirely religious reasons. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just love an Easter morning service, that, that feeling of hope, that feeling of triumph. But actually, this Easter, I won't be going into church. I'll, you know, be taking, taking the dog out for a walk on the beach at some point in, in the morning there, and that will be my worship. Um, so we're sort of taking what we can keep and building on it, but having to leave behind a lot of the, the religiosity around it, I guess. Maybe this can be a real opportunity to approach something that we do every year in very similar ways, in a whole new way, and maybe experience that, that miracle of the resurrection almost for the first time. Yeah, and I'm actually, on that point, I'm really impressed with the speed at which churches have rethought how they're doing everything. Like seeing so many services being pre-recorded or live-streamed um, and like house group meetings through different apps um, and just the the way churches have been looking out for how can we serve our spiritual needs differently now that we can't meet together on a Sunday. Yeah, I say for our church, particularly our minister, um, a good few months ago started talking about doing a, a service online. At the time, we were talking about those who who couldn't make it to church, but very quickly he, he was all saying, actually, and, and we don't know where coronavirus is going. And it, it feels like a real God thing that he, he was given that on his heart and he set it up actually before we went on to lockdown while services were still going on. He held the first couple of them. And now he suddenly it's going on twice a um, twice on a Sunday. They replay the service. 
and there's hundreds of people who are on the in the group now and it's you know he's actually put up it's now been recommended by the Methodist Church central body in in Westminster have recommended his he's there's only I think four they're recommending and his is one of them so I think yeah people uh, church leaders have to be congratulated for how well they've adapted to the situation which come on no one's ever done this before there there hasn't been a modern outbreak of, of anything you know looking over 100 years since since Spanish flu which is the last proper pandemic I can think of yeah and I think the church can so often be criticized for being sort of stuck in the past and slow to change and I think we've really proven to ourselves actually how flexible we can be and how quickly we can move in the modern into the modern world when that's what's needed that's been really impressive I think and really encouraging yeah the church has left the building and doesn't it feel good <laughs> as all the memes are saying but it's <laughs> like, it's great isn't it because People have been trying to say this for years, that the church is not the building, it's the people. And yeah. now that statement's really being put to the test. Yeah, we've got the opportunity to prove the truth of that. And I think the church so far, for me, is passing the flying colours as a whole. It's it's still there, it's still serving, it's still doing everything it needs to do. And I've loved seeing how much members of our church family, which is of course the one I happen to be sort of linked into on Facebook, but I've loved seeing how much they're still supporting each other over social media how much people are still communicating and chatting and being part of each other's lives and standing by each other through all of this i think that's been really lovely to see yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think what we do have to touch on is that there's not just been one response from the church to this i mean you're looking more towards say the more evangelical churches in america particularly you hear a lot of or oh, this is a punishment from god for us to change our ways which you know, there's that gets a lot of traction, I think, because it kind of appeals to our human sense of justice that if bad things are happening, we've been bad, and if we're good, it will stop. But for me, I don't think that stands up to scriptural in like investigation. I don't think it stands up to what I know of God. But what do you guys think? It's it's interesting. That's definitely not where my theology is at, but I can see some quite funny parallels with. Um, in the Old Testament where God would give a warning and nobody would listen and then something would happen uh, to make them listen. And I mean, I just, I don't think that you can really apply that same principle here, but it has slightly amused me to see how um, like climate change activists have been warning about like carbon footprint and things for ages. And then um, that it fell on deaf ears and then um, suddenly you see like these pictures of pollution clearing and um, flights not going, borders shutting and, and things and like the, the positive outcome of that on the environment. So I, do, I don't really think that has any theological importance, but um, it's a kind of a nicer spin on it, I guess, that there is a, a positive outcome in some way from everything that's happening. I think I'm always really cautious of kind of taking guesses at where God is in a situation that's happening. Because unless God has specifically said to me, this is happening because of this, or this is my will, I don't want to kind of start ascribing things to him and pointing fingers, um, because I think that can be really, really dangerous. And I think that God is very much still involved in a very real and literal sense in the modern world. But I don't think that that means that he's, he's punishing us or that, I think that it means that he will bring good out of this and I think it means that there are things that we can choose as Christians to learn from this situation 
Um, but I think it's really dangerous to, to over-spiritualise things unless you have a very specific reason for doing so. Yeah, I was really touched a couple of weeks back. The lectionary reading was um, Jesus healing the man born blind. So it's this man who's he's been blind from birth and on the Sabbath he, he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, well, what do you want? I want to see. And he makes mud from his spit, which is, you know, the worst thing to do today. Then he rubs it into the man's <laughs> eyes, which is even worse. Please do not do that at any time, not just when there's a pandemic, <laughs> unless you're Jesus. And then the man's healed. And his Jesus' disciples go to him and say, well, who sinned for him to be born blind? Was it him or was it his parents? And Jesus says, well, neither of them. This was only there to glorify God. And what I think we can take from that is that God, it's not that God causes, but God brings good and redeems. Because again and again in the Bible, we see stories of awful situations that God redeems, that God brings about something new. I mean, what is the gospel but a story that God takes something awful, which is the death of Jesus, and said, no, this is how I'm going to make things new. And I think I find it very hard hearing, you know, we've got a lot of friends in, in Kenya, for example, who are, they're very poor and they're struggling. And then this virus comes and it's really hitting, hitting livelihood. And their church leaders are telling them that, that they're not all, I should say, I don't want to stereotype, but a, a good number of churches out there uh, are preaching this gospel of you must turn now. This is God's final warning to you. This is a punishment on you. You haven't been giving enough to the church. You haven't been doing this, doing that. And I think that makes me angry because that's not what Jesus preached. That's, that's man corrupting it. And I, I, I liked what you said, Linda, that there is a, a positive spin you can take from it if you look at the Bible. But overall, I think it's it's deeply unhelpful in these times to start pointing fingers, trying to blame someone. It's deeply human at a time when you know we we've made we need to have a God as big as He is, not as small as we make Him. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that kind of line of theology is really clearly refuted throughout the Bible. I mean, even the Book of Job, which is chronologically speaking like right at the beginning it's the whole message of that is this person is good and bad things are happening to him but don't worry because God's power is bigger and God knows and God understands and God God can see the whole big picture and we're we're living through something that's really difficult and and it's not a case of let's stop blaming God or blaming ourselves but actually recognize that God is all powerful and he he knows the end of the story um and we can put our trust in him the thing with job as well is god admonishes the friends who tell him well you must have sinned you know, yeah. god, and that is how the world view has been set out at that time that's not unusual here that good things ha happen to good people bad things happen to bad well that just isn't how the world that's not how we see the world nowadays that's not how the world works i mean it's still how we teach children you know moral repercussions in every story um but that's because it's a, a really simple way to understand good and evil is through like the consequences of good and bad actions and and where they lead but i mean when you take it further it is a massive oversimplification because that that is the language of children that is if you do this this is going to happen but if you do that that's going to happen but actually as we kind of mature um in life we have lots of other ways that we can understand morality it's not just a case of these are the consequences sometimes it's following rules sometimes it's following role models sometimes it's 
um, looking at fairness. There's a, there's a lot more uh, thinking to be done rather than just kind of that black and white idea of good and bad and you must be have done wrong and you're being punished or you've done well so you'll be blessed yeah and I think particularly when you look at the gospels I think Jesus again and again he turns our kind of expectation of the rules of how things work and morality works and fairness works and all of that on its head I think that's that's sort of the most predictable thing about Jesus is that he isn't predictable and he doesn't he doesn't see situations the way we expect them to be seen. Yeah, yeah the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Which reminds me of a board game story. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All the way back in week episode one, week one. <laughs> um, yeah. I think so, um, as well, I mean, this is a simplification, but I, I think in the simplest terms, it, to me, Christianity is a faith of hopefulness, not a faith of fear. Um, and there's a healthy way of fearing God, but if your faith, your understanding and your theology is, is inspiring fear in you, not hope and not joy, then I think maybe it's time to have another look at exactly where your thinking is coming from and what your reasoning is. Because for me, that's normally a warning sign that I've got something wrong and I've misunderstood something if I'm starting to be a, feel fearful because of my faith. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't know if we've got anything else to sort of add on that that topic before we move on a bit, because we've kind of eviscerated that viewpoint. Um, I think I would say that, um, as somewhat similarly, another sort of thing I've seen doing around a lot of social media that really worries me is this idea that if we're Christians, we shouldn't be afraid and therefore we don't need to listen to government advice we don't need to stay home we don't need to do any of these things because god will look after us and god will look after the people we care about and that really alarms me and i think it's really sad that christianity is being used to justify that kind of behavior yeah there's a story in the states that this um you know, mega church where they he, the pastor insisted on keeping meeting and he's he's now been arrested for it and I, I have to say good because you know what he he was doing was exposing more people to the virus and i don't i don't believe at all that being christian makes you immune to coronavirus and i don't think that should be a radical thing to say i think what bothers me about it as well i mean i don't i absolutely don't believe we have some kind of immunity because we're christian but even if we did we shouldn't only care about people who are christian we should care about everyone in our community that we should be willing to do our part to protect everyone else even if we're in no risk of dying because we're protected by god and it really saddens me to see christians with this very kind of narrow viewpoint of oh well they kind of don't matter because they don't believe in god anyway i think god and Jesus make it, makes it very clear that everyone's equal and everyone is loved by God, regardless of what they believe. Yeah, and that kind of takes us on nicely to our, our next sort of step, which is we're, we're as Christians, we're called to share God's love. Um, so how do we do that? We've kind of established it's not by telling them they're going to hell unless they change. And we've got to say it's not about ignoring government advice. So, so what is it? What, how do we be Christians right now? That was awful grammar, please excuse it. <laughs> I think that we are in a quite a privileged position to have this this hope. It's not kind of humans against coronavirus. It's us and God against coronavirus. And actually, I think that hope is a really powerful thing because, you know, this coronavirus threat, it is bigger than ourselves. So without that God perspective, it's so easy to get really overwhelmed by it. And I think for people who I know who don't have 
a faith but it is this kind of like daunting prospect of are we going to win are we going to beat this thing but I think that because we have this hope that allows us to be a bit of a light in the world and being able to just spread those kind of stories of hope being able to just be a kind of a calm presence for people who might be panicking a bit and you know checking checking up on how other people are doing as well um using all those amazing apps that we have to video call people uh check in with them make sure they're doing okay bringing around shopping for people who are self-isolating respecting all of the social distancing actually one thing that i've really noticed is that the internet's got kind of judgy lately on anybody who it, it deems might be breaking you know social distancing and i think that it's it's so easy to get caught up in these like uh big internet wars where you're you're watching something or you're hearing a government update and all of the comments that are coming through are really negative and arguing about people um, being out more than they should or, or driving too far to get their exercise or whatever it is. And I think actually just listening to what Jesus has to say about removing the speck from your own eye before you like... Other way around. Plank from your own eye before you remove the speck from your... That's your... the one. Remove the plank from your own eye. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that it, even among... Christians, it's easy to get caught up in that kind of panicky, judgmental help because what if they're putting us at risk by being out? But actually just kind of stepping back and just realizing it's not a place to judge. I mean, yeah, if someone's being dangerous, obviously alerting the right people. But At the risk of getting political, I would say, you know, I'm going to stick to the Isle of Man on this one, but our, our leaders, uh, Howard Quayle, our chief minister, I think he's done a fantastic job and he's getting a lot of flack, but I've found his, his updates have been clear, they've been concise, steps have been taken well in advance of most other countries. And we're actually in a fairly good position on, on the island currently, and I believe he saved lives. And I, I also happen to know he's a person of faith. I'm not saying that that's a requirement to be a good leader, but I think that is someone who is living out their faith and, and living that. So um, if you're listening, Howard, well done. <laughs> I think, though, um, I, mean, I totally agree with you. I think he has done a fantastic job. But I think going on from there, there's an element of showing God's love could look in these times very much like simply showing people a bit of grace, similar to what Linda was saying, um, that no one has been in this situation before. No one was prepared for this situation. So whether it's political leaders or church leaders or the person next door where, where you're wondering why they're going out so often or whatever it is, just showing people a bit of grace and a bit of patience and realising that no one's, people are scared and they're anxious and they're not at their best right now. So being a bit patient with people and assuming that they really are trying their hardest and thinking the best of them, I think could be really powerful, actually. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, we, we said a few times here, this is unprecedented times. And for in terms of, of human lifetimes, it is. Obviously, we've got to look that you know we have had pandemics before, and look at yeah you know, the plagues that, that overtook Europe over a period of hundreds of years. And there's this great quote that people may have seen on social media from um, from Martin Luther, where he says, um, "This is when asked about how um, how Christians should respond um, during the plague that was in a, in a outbreak at the time. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air." administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated 
and thus to chance inflict and pollute others, and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbour needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith, because it, ni it is neither brash nor foolhardy, and does not tempt God. You know, this is a man talking before we had modern medicine, and that advice could apply to us today. You know, we're, we'll pray for God's mercy, but let's also, you know, stay home. The only time we can save the world by staying home and watching <laughs> Netflix. I mean, if we fail this one, we're really in trouble. I think there's something in that quote as well about not to forget that the practical stuff you're doing for other people can also be godly and can also be holy almost. I mean, things like Linda was saying, like bringing groceries to someone who's vulnerable, that, that's obviously a very practical act, but I think it can be a real act of faith and of God's love as well. It doesn't have to be a really spiritual thing you're doing um, to be behaving in a godly way and in a Christian way. I think I often struggle to get that balance between sort of the practical and the spiritual right because I'm naturally a very practical person and I can kind of set the spiritual aside too much. But I was reading, just before we started recording actually, I was reading my book um, which is set in a medieval monastery and one of the monks has been quite badly injured and the monk who works in the infirmary is tending to him and it describes how he tends to his wounds through the night and then at dawn he goes and prays to God to heal um, in heal beyond his ability to heal and I thought that was such a lovely picture of what that balance should be that, that being a Christian we should definitely be mindful of the spiritual but we should also be aware of God has equipped us to do stuff practically and we are his hands and feet so we shouldn't be waiting for this really miraculous sign we can be doing stuff practically and when we've done the practical stuff, then we should go and pray and ask God to fill our, our lap. Kind of, we've covered quite a lot about the virus, how it how it's shaping us and shaping the world. And I think a very different world's going to emerge. And I think a very different church is going to emerge. I think for the time being, we've covered a bit of what, what church looks like today for us, which is, well, obviously not in a building. It looks like people staying home. It looks like reaching out in, in ways we are able to reach out. So obviously there's there's online services but that's not accessible to everyone um i know some some churches are, are sort of posting out service sheets as it were so people can join in from home or recording dvds to send out and i think the question really of how do we be church now and it, it's very similar to how do we be christians now but if if we're meant to be be the body of christ what how do we do that right now i guess is there any particular innovative ideas that have really like impressed you or, or made you think, yeah, that is that's something we could have been doing all along, but it took, uh, took a pandemic for us to do it. I think um, it's Zoom. The app Zoom has been a real eye opener for me. Um, I've found myself talking to um, people and praying with people who I haven't spoken to in months because I've suddenly realised that it so easy to do that even when they live across the sea um, we can catch up um, we can pray for each other um, and there's so many opportunities with that as well um, we did uh, my work did a, a devotions the other day um, and you can sort of like screen share you can all read the same bible passage you can watch a video together you can have a discussion there's so many things that you can do that's almost as good as being there in person. 
Yeah, no, I think I really agree with that. I think I've moved countries a couple of times, so I was already kind of aware of what a blessing technology is in terms of keeping in touch with people you can't be with in person. But I think it's made me a lot more sort of mindful of intentionally being in touch with people because I can't just nip down the road to see them. And actually, I'm probably I'm talking to people more than I would have been. And um, there's a few people who I hadn't heard from for quite a long time that I've sort of got back in touch with over the last couple of weeks and caught up with, which has been really nice and really a blessing. And I am I'm really hopeful that that we can come out of this as a, a better version of the church, actually. And I'm more kind of mindful, mindful of each other, mindful of being in touch and supporting each other, other than just on a Sunday. Yeah, I've loved we we our youth group has, that we that we help run at our church has gone gone online. And we, we had our first um, Zoom meeting last week and I was just loved it, you know, seeing these young people and they're really excited to be in this group again. We played some games that we could play over, over Zoom, you know, um, wacky games don't have to end just because you're in <laughs> quarantine. But we able to also get some real serious discussion in and some real sort of deep stuff and we were able to have um, you know, a, a, a gentleman from Kenya who had been to the island and, and come and talk to everyone called Michael. He, he was able to be part of that chat and he he stayed up and you spent his money on his internet, uh, which is very limited, to come and join in with our youth group for half an hour or so. And it was great. And the kids were able to talk to him and he played a game with us. And why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we saying, God bless people with amazing minds to create the sort of technology we're seeing. Why are we not using it anyway? And, and if there's something to, good to come out of this situation, then maybe it's that we can we can keep going with some of this stuff after it stops. I mean, I don't want to stop doing sort of Zoom meetings with people I can't meet otherwise. But also, we're plugging Zoom a lot because that's what we're using. Other apps are available. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting a cut. <laughs> no, no, this video is not sponsored by Zoom. Although, if they want to sponsor us, that would be fine. <laughs> um, another thing that I found really helpful, actually, is... Um, the live streams of um, my my church, for instance, have been live streaming the services on YouTube, and it's so great to be able to watch it in the same time space as everybody else is watching the service, and people can put comments and people can share prayers and um, praise and different things and different ways of kind of really creative ways of making it quite interactive and people being able to join in and be part of the service while watching it in real time from their homes. I think it's quite encouraging. And, and I think for some people as well who might not stand up and share something publicly in a service uh, are finding freedom to do that more um, through messages and texting in prayers and things like that. So it's nice to hear some different voices as well coming through and all of that yeah it's definitely a good time to be an introvert i feel anyway that's probably about time for this week although we could go on for hours i'm sure it's been lovely being able to to reconnect over zoom linda yeah good to see you guys and um we are now um gonna be uh hopefully recording every week so we'll be a bit more sort of update as we follow this situation um we felt it was really important to cover this situation and talk about it today but do be assured we're not going to talk about it every week we'll keep talking about other topics it's not going to be all coronavirus 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 because we know sometimes we all need an escape from that and we're going to try and do some really light-hearted fun ones as well to kind of just give you a break from the kind of doom and gloom i'll find opportunities to laugh at andrew a lot and it's linda. Always easy. not so easy with linda <laughs> again board game Okay, yeah, sometimes it is easy with them. Also, you, <laughs> also cows. Um, 
but yeah, if you have any requests for stuff you'd like us to talk about, do um, send us a message. You can find us on Facebook at The Anvil. Um, if you find us there, you can uh, like the page and you can comment on our, on the um, podcast as they're released. You can also find our um, our website with churchofbookshop.im. You scroll down and click The Anvil Podcast and you'll be able to access it wherever you're able to get podcasts. We're on ooh, all sorts of podcast places now. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Acast, who host us. And you can, as I say, can listen through Facebook. So um, really like you to give us comments and stuff. We love interacting with people now of all times. But for now, that's Georgia. That's Linda. And that's Andrew. And we've been The Anvil Podcast and we'll see you next week.